Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. You've shown your mercy to us in many ways, but we thank you for your mercy in getting us out of bed this morning, bringing us along here this morning, so that we can be with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you for your mercy in sustaining us so that we are in good health and able to listen to what your word has to say. Lord, we thank you for your mercy in giving us your word. We thank you for your mercy in giving me time this week to prepare something from your word. We pray that you would continue to exercise your mercy towards us this morning. May we indeed have ears to listen to what your word has to say about your son Jesus Christ and those marvellous events that took place 2,000 years ago. Oh Lord, please do not withhold your mercy, but instead shower us with it this morning. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings different emotions and responses to people. And in the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning from Matthew 28, Matthew 28, we see at least two different emotions that are mentioned in this text for two different groups of people and how they should respond to the resurrection, how they do indeed respond to the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the first way that we see people responding to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in this passage is that there's a response of fear, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings fear to Christ's enemies. And we see this in Matthew 28, verse 2. So I encourage you this morning, if you've got a black church Bible there, please open it up to Matthew 28, and that's found on page 989, page 989, Matthew 28, verse 2. We hear of the resurrection, but we see a response from some people who are enemies of Christ. Verse 2 says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Then what happens? How do people respond? We read in verse 4, The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The resurrection takes place on that Sunday, that Lord's Day, that Resurrection Day 2,000 years ago. And what is the first response of people to the resurrection? Well, we see people responding in fear. Verse 4 says, The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The guards, what were they afraid of? Well, the text tells us they were afraid of the angel. Why is the angel there? Because the resurrection has taken place. He comes with news of the risen Jesus Christ. And so these guards, they are fearful of the angel, but they're also fearful of the news that the angel brings, of course. This angel is dazzling, but he comes with this marvellous news and they shake with fear and become like dead men. And it's the same today. People fear the news of the risen Christ and manifest that fear in different ways. When someone comes with an announcement about Jesus being raised from the dead, they're afraid. And they respond to this news in different ways out of their fear. Their fear is the base emotion that they have, and then you see their response in different forms. One way that people manifest fear is by ignoring what they're afraid of. We often ignore what we fear, and I've seen this with some people who have a, a dreadful thing in their life, and what do they do? They respond to it by 
ignoring it, acting as though it doesn't actually exist. You see this with people when they're diagnosed with some awful cancer. They don't want to know about it. They don't go to the doctor. They don't seek treatment. They pretend it just doesn't exist. They ignore what they fear. And people do that to Jesus Christ. People become like dead men to him. They don't want to listen to the news that Jesus is indeed risen. They want to shut down all kinds of discussion about Jesus Christ by his people. They want to remove Jesus from their life. They want to be dead to Jesus. One common way that people often talk about this is by the way that they say that religious matters and politics, religion and politics should not be discussed at the dinner table. They just don't want it discussed. Whereas I find that religion is one of the most interesting topics to be discussed at the dinner table. And so one Christmas I was talking to my atheist uncle about religious matters and we were having a fine discussion. I was really enjoying it. He had brought up the matter. So, of course, I see that as an open door to speak about Jesus Christ. My grandma next to me, sitting there, keeps her head down. I'm going for it with my uncle, her son, and she suddenly pipes up in her thick Scottish accent, religion and politics should not be discussed at the dinner table. She was not impressed that we were talking about Jesus Christ. And this is how people often respond to the news of Jesus Christ. They want to ignore him. They want to be like these guards here who are so afraid of the news that has come of the risen Christ that they become like dead men to that news. And then there's another way that people often respond out of fear to the news of Jesus Christ, and that is they go on the attack. And this is a common response when you're afraid of something. What do you do? You attack what you're afraid of. This is what what motivates often war between one nation and another nation. Why does one nation that is generally peace-loving go to war against another nation? Because they're quite fearful of what that nation will do if it gains more and more power. If we don't stop it now, it may come and that nation may come and take over our nation. And so they end up going to war. They do not really want to go to war. But out of their fear of that nation, they go to war. And increasingly, this is the way that people are responding to the news of the risen Christ. They're afraid. And what do they do in their fear? They attack. Jesus, and particularly his people who come with the news of Jesus Christ. That's what the angel was doing there. He's coming with the news that Christ is indeed raised, and we'll see that as we look further down in the passage. And that's what people do today. When they fear Jesus Christ, they attack those who bring news of Jesus Christ. There was an article in one of our papers here in Australia just the other week about religious persecution and particularly Christian persecution that is going on in our nation. The journalist, uh, Jennifer O'Reilly, she said that according to Open Doors, Open Doors is an organisation that tracks persecution of Christians in the world, they said Open Doors last year was the worst on record for the persecution of Christians since it began reporting 25 years ago. 2016 was the worst year on record for persecution of Christians. And she goes on to say, each month an estimated 322 Christians are killed for their faith. Each month, 322 Christians are killed. 772 suffer serious violence. And then each month, 
214 Christian churches and properties are destroyed. Think of that. Each month, 214 Christian churches and properties destroyed. And she goes on to say that Islam, as one of the great persecutors of Christianity, the Islamist tactics used to annihilate Christian, um, used to annihilate Christians extend beyond bombs and guns. Muslim organizations in Nigeria that run camps for people displaced by Islamic State are reserving aid for Muslims only. So we know of the way that people attack Christianity by using guns and bombs, but there's other ways that they do attack. What do they do in Nigeria to Christians? Says Christian Bishop William Naga reported to Open Doors UK that they will give food to the refugees, but if you are a Christian, they will not give you food. They will openly tell you that the relief is not for Christians. So in Australia, we have often, our government has looked for these refugees and supported them, but even in Australia, there's people attacking Christians. In Australia, the Labor and Greens politicians responded negatively to news that the Liberal Coalition has provided asylum to several thousand Christians fleeing Islamic State genocide in its dedicated program for Syrian refugees. The Greens and the Labor politicians, some of them, responded negatively to the news that we were accepting Christians who are persecuted by Islamic State. The Green Senator, Nick McKim, created a distinction between selecting on genuine need and religion in relation to the Syrian intake and described the latter as disgusting. He describes it as disgusting to accept Christians into this country because they're being persecuted for religious reasons. He doesn't see that as genuine need if you're being persecuted for religious reasons. And the columnist, the reporter of the Australian newspaper, she said, he, that's this Green Senator, might need a briefing on the reality of jihadist genocide. And then, of course, last week, we saw the bombing in Egypt of two churches, that people are responding by attacking Christians. And why are they doing this? Why do people ignore Christianity, or why do they go on the attack? Well, it's out of fear. They fear Christians. And their fear then has deadened them to the truth of Christianity so that they can do awful things to Christians. Now, why are they afraid? Why do people fear Christianity? Why do they fear the risen Christ? Well, one reason is they know that if Christ has indeed been raised from the dead by God, then they should follow him. They must follow him. There is no other option. And what does that then mean? They need to start living according to Jesus' ways, to Christ's ways, rather than their own ways. They must give up some of their sins. They must turn from following unrighteousness to following righteousness, to following Christ. And the truth is they love their sin. They love their pride. And they don't want to humble themselves before the God of Christianity, the God who made them. Whereas you see other religions, why are they so popular? They stroke people's ego. They encourage you that you can be good. You can contribute something to your salvation. Whereas Christianity says there's nothing you can do for your salvation. There is nothing good in you. Nothing at all. There is no one righteous. And so you need God to save you rather than you save yourself. Whereas other religions, whether it be Islam, with Buddhism, Hinduism, 
Roman Catholicism, different cults, they all encourage you that there is something you can do. That's what the Islamic bomber does. He believes that by his suicide he can contribute something to his salvation. He's following a religion that has given him pride. Whereas he knows that if he follows Christianity there is nothing he can do. And he must humble himself completely. Which every human heart does not want to do. Every human heart wants to exalt itself rather than be humbled before God. So if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, recognise that you're not a Christian because you're afraid. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that you're afraid of. Otherwise you would embrace it. You would embrace the news that Christ is risen. But instead you're afraid. You fear the resurrection by ignoring it maybe, that you never consider that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And if you do, you push it out of your mind. Or you may fear the resurrection by attacking it, being so afraid that you become dead to it in such a sense that you can then go and do awful things to Christians. But I'm here to tell you today to stop being afraid of the risen Christ. Embrace him instead. The fear that you have of Christ now is nothing in comparison to the fear that is to come at the last judgment. The fear that you will have of God when he sends his son to judge the world where you will cry out upon rocks to fall on you to hide you from the face of that God flee to Christ embrace Christ have that eternal life that he offers he tells you that if you turn from your sins today and come to him if you stop being afraid of God and instead love God you can have eternal life You can live forever with Jesus in glory. And it doesn't matter how much you've attacked Christ in the past. It doesn't matter how much you've ignored Christ in the past. You might think, oh, I can't go to Christ now. I've I've not prayed throughout my life. I've not read my Bible as I should. I haven't gone to church as I should. There's no place for me in Christ's love. The Bible tells us that there is hope for all who turn to Christ. It doesn't matter if you have even killed Christians. In the name of another God, there is life for you if you turn to Christ. How do we know this? Well, the Apostle Paul is a clear example of someone who feared the church, but then went to embrace the church and found God to welcome him and to drive out that fear that he had with love. The Apostle Paul stands as an example of someone who was one of the worst of sinners, but then became a great saint because of the work of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us that himself. Turn with me now to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1, which is found on page 1174. Page 1174. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I'll read from verse 12 where the Apostle Paul makes this glorious statement about how even the worst of sinners can come to Jesus Christ and find salvation, that he actually stands as a testimony to this truth. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, page 1174. I'll read from verse 12. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. 
Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The grace of God's love was poured out upon him, even though he acted so terribly in the past. And so then he goes on in verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Why did God save Paul? One reason is given in the text so that he would be an example for you today. If you think that you're a terrible sinner and that you can't come to Jesus Christ because you have ignored him in the past, you have feared him in the past, and that you have nothing to offer Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul stands for you as an example that you can indeed come to Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to do so. Don't fear God any longer. Run to him. Don't be driven away from him. Run to him. Embrace him and have eternal life. Stop fearing God. Stop becoming like a dead man to God. But embrace the risen Christ. So this is one of the reactions that people have, responses have, responses that people have to the risen Christ. They're like the guards there that shake and are terrified and become like dead men. What's the other response? that people are to have to the resurrected Christ? What's the right response that we are meant to have this morning, particularly as Christ's disciples? We in this room, many of us are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have fled to Christ in the past. Is there a message for us today? Well, there is. From the angel, he speaks to these women and he tells them to be comforted. He comforts them with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see that in verses 5 through to 7. Look with me again at Matthew 28, page 989 of the Black Church Bibles, page 989, Matthew 28, verse 5. So the the guards become like dead men in verse 4, and then we read in verse 5, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. What type of message is this message that the angel has for those who look for Jesus Christ? Well, it's one of comfort. He tells them that Jesus is risen from the dead and that they should not be afraid. Instead, they should be comforted by the news that Jesus is alive. And that means that this Easter, so many years removed from this day that we're reading about in Matthew 28, that there is comfort for you if you are one of these people who is looking for Jesus who was crucified as these women were. Because, as I said before, that there's many people out there who attack us for being Christians. And so a natural response is to be afraid. 
Maybe you're afraid of people that are in your life who look down at you for being a Christian. Maybe it's in the workplace that you're afraid. We're seeing this increasingly, not just the physical persecution overseas, but we're seeing this in countries like our own, where workplaces are getting more and more hostile to Christians and the values that Christians hold. Every week at our prayer service in the evening, we pray about matters around the world, but also here in Australia, that could be the cause of fear for Christians living in this country. Recent news reports have come out that bosses at big companies like Qantas and Google have suggested that their employees wear black rings with a gap to show their support of same-sex marriage. So these big companies are distributing rings to their employees to wear them to make a political statement that you support same-sex marriage. What does that mean if you're a Christian employee and don't want to wear the ring? It becomes quite noticeable in the workplace that you do not support same-sex marriage and can be frowned upon and looked down upon. In one of the news reports, it says a Qantas employee said in an email, I'd hate to be a Christian flight attendant for Qantas, explaining to the manager why I wasn't intending on wearing the ring, or to a gay colleague on the other side of a cart doing a meal service on the plane. Talk about a bad initiative for crew cohesion and its impact on service, let alone safety. Now, you may not work for Qantas, you may not work for Google, but other Christians in Australia may do. And it may be coming to a workplace near you. They initiate. Maybe smaller companies jump on board with this. And so what does that cause in your heart? It causes fear as people are attacking you. But what does the angel say? He says in verse 5, Do not be afraid. For those who are looking for Jesus who was crucified, do not be afraid. Christ is risen. It doesn't matter if your brother or sister or mother or father or friend or neighbour or employer frowns on you for being a Christian, maybe attacks you, persecutes you, maybe not openly, violently, but in small ways that make you afraid to go to work, to be amongst your family. The angel says, do not be afraid. He has a message of comfort that Christ is risen. He says that in verse 6, he is not here, he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. You can be filled with joy even in the midst of your fear of those around you because Christ is risen. And we see that's how the women respond in verse 8. What does it say in verse 8? So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. They were fearful. And we can't minimise the fear that Christians have of those who would persecute us. We can't just say, oh, it's, it's a figment of your imagination and you should just remove it. No, it's a real fear. But you can, in the midst of that fear, be filled with joy. They were afraid, yet filled with joy. Why? Because Christ is risen. He's risen from the dead. And one day I will be raised from the dead as he was raised from the dead. So it doesn't matter what people do to me in this world. Christ is risen, and so I have hope. 
The Apostle Peter encourages such a focus on the risen Christ in the midst of persecution as well. It's not just the angel here who, who comforts people who follow Jesus Christ with news of the risen Christ. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be like the people of this world who fear what they fear, which is persecution. Do not be frightened. And he says in verse 15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. In the midst of persecution, what are you to do? Remember Jesus Christ. Remember the risen Christ. Remember that when you're persecuted, you don't follow a dead man like the Muslims who follow a dead Muhammad. He is not alive. He is dead. Christ is alive. And that is the one you follow. That is the one that you have set apart in your heart as Lord. And so you can have comfort even in the midst of fear of attacks from those around you. And more than the fact that Christ has been raised from the dead is comfort to you. Christ reigns supreme, but one day he will return as well. He will come back. The risen Christ will return. And when Christ rose from the dead, when he awoke from the dead, he literally shook the world. We read that in verse 2 of Matthew 28. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Jesus shook the world when he rose from the dead. And when he comes back, he will shake the world again. And that is the one you believe in. He's not just raised from the dead. He comes again and he will shake this world and come with more than one angel, more than two angels. He will come with thousands of holy ones. And he will really shake this world. That is the one you trust in. And so it doesn't matter what Qantas does to you. It doesn't matter what Google does to you. It doesn't matter what your neighbours or your friends or your family do to you. You trust in a risen Christ who will shake this world one day. And so you can be filled with joy even as you tremble with fear. So be comforted with the news of the risen Christ this Easter. As you have different fears the different struggles that you're going through, be comforted by the fact that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And don't just comfort yourself, but comfort other Christians with the news of the risen Christ. It's interesting what the women did. They were instructed to do so by the angel, but what did they do in verse 8? So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. They had a message of comfort. And what did they do with that message of comfort? They told others who also needed to be comforted. Remember these disciples, they would have been very fearful at this point. Their leader has been crucified by not just the Jewish authorities, but by the governing authorities, by the Roman authorities. What's going to happen next is what they're thinking. Are they going to come for us next? They would have been most fearful. But the women have a message of comfort from the angel. And they come with that message of comfort and tell it to the disciples. And we need to do the same today. If things continue on the same trajectory that they are at the moment, where persecution against Christians is increasing, not just over in countries in the Middle East, but also in countries like our own, then we're going to need one another more and more. 
You're going to need to be around brothers and sisters in Christ who continue to remind you that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So that you can continue to be comforted even in the midst of fear. Many people think that they can be a Christian and only come to church once a year. They show up at Easter or maybe twice they come at Christmas. I've never understood how a Christian can be a Christian and not be interested in meeting with God's people, not be interested in hearing from his word throughout the year. But I'm sure that in the future, if we increasingly are persecuted for being Christians, that such people will be shown to be true Christians in the fact that they start to cling more to Christians, they start to come to church more because they need that comfort from their brothers and sisters in Christ, or they're shown for who they really are. They're not believers at all. They don't trust in Jesus Christ. As soon as trouble comes along, they will fall away. They will show that they were not Christians in the first place. Persecution can be a great blessing to the church. By God's providence, he can strip away the chaff the people who are not actually believers, so that Christ's name is no longer dishonoured by people who affirm Christ but aren't actually Christians. And it can actually bring Christians closer together to comfort one another. As these women hurry away to tell the disciples the news, we hurry together to tell one another the good news of Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, are you known for a lack of fear? Are you known for someone who is not often fearful? Or are you someone who is often anxious and worried about what's going on in the world and particularly what's happening to Christians? Are you fearful so often, so anxious, so worried because you don't meditate upon the fact that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed? You only think about the risen Christ at Easter, once a year as your little inoculation for the rest of the year. And so, of course, you worry. Of course, you're anxious by the attacks that are coming to Christians. If you worry, if you're fearful, you need to listen to the angel more, where he says, do not be afraid. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And that will give you joy, fill you with joy, even in the midst of trembling. And if you are a Christian, are you known to be someone who comforts other Christians with news of the risen Christ? As someone comes to you and struggles with fear, they're often anxious, what do you say to them? Do you say nothing at all? Do you pat them on the back and say, there, there, it'll be all right? Or do you remind them that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed? And we have a far greater hope than anybody else in this world. And so we can be filled with joy even in the midst of trembling because our Saviour is alive and he will come again one day to judge. If you're a Christian, are you someone who is known to speak of the risen Christ? Or is it only once a year that you even hear about him, let alone speak about him? Let's come to God now. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word which tells us so plainly that Christ is risen. He is not here, he is alive, and he reigns supreme. And Lord, we thank you for the encouragement from your word that he will return, and he will shake this world as he shook it when he came alive. So Lord, we pray that we would not fear those who attack us.
But instead, we pray that we would comfort ourselves with news of the risen Christ and comfort one another. Oh, Lord, may we not forsake meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But may we encourage one another with news of the risen Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.